Welcome to River Tree Canal Fulton's podcast stream. We are uh, really just excited because we're starting a series that talks about the future of our church, what we're going to be contending for for the next year. And so it's called Multiply, and we just have a vision we want to share with you. And there's there's actually a really great video that goes with this. You can check that out at our website or our Facebook page. But man, we're, we're really excited about what God is going to do in and through Multiply over the next year. And so check that out. And if you have questions, headed over to our website where you can find everything you want to know about our church, our vision, and the future we are contending for. Enjoy Multiply. Sermon number one. Thank you for being with us today. And uh, this, is a, this is a really exciting time for us to kind of go public with something we've been in prayer and planning for for a long time. Um, we're going to, for the next five weeks, be looking at the life of Abraham together to prepare us for a season that we're calling Multiply. Because we believe that God has us at a place as a church where the next faithful steps that we have are setting up a future um, that we can't imagine. And we want to be really faithful stewards of that. So um, two things I want to kind of highlight as we get going, and then I'll release our middle school students. Um, One is that our primary goal in this is that 100% of us would boldly trust God and follow his lead and to a life-changing generosity experience. Um, on the front end, I want to say, as we talk through Multiply, the goal of this, like, and, and maybe if you're new here, you're like, oh, man, I came on the worst Sunday because they're talking about money right off the bat. <laughs> uh, this isn't primarily about money. This is primarily about the future that God has for us and what it means for us to be faithful and to lean into it. Um, and as we talk through even Abraham's first steps today, we're going to see a part of following God means that it gets to affect uh, who you are, what you have, and what you do. Um, and so the conversation here is bigger uh, than finances. And so our primary goal is not a number. Our primary goal is that every one of us would boldly consider what it means for God to take our life and our resources and our time and our energy and to use it to see his future become a reality here. Uh, But our secondary goal is um, that we would trust God from December this year through December next year um, to provide $350,000 in 2023 as we sow into that future. Uh, Everything you need to know about our vision for this is in this guidebook. So if you got one when you came in, you can grab it. If you didn't, there's some on the table. You can literally get up now if you want to get one. This will keep you distracted. If my sermon's boring, you can just read through this. Uh, it's got everything that we need uh, for, to talk about what we're doing, uh, but it also has a couple of other things. Like on page 20, there's a place for you to take notes during this series. We put pens out. If you want to take notes as we're talking about this, uh, because I, I think my biggest ask for our church is that as we begin this conversation, let's lean in and ask the question, what if? Like, what if God wanted to take us from where we are now into a future that looks more like heaven here? What would that mean? And what would God ask of us at this point? 
Um, there's also, there's some uh, group guides. If you get together with other people at any point and want to talk a little bit more in depth, there's some things to guide you through this. Uh, and there's a picture of um, what's happening with our kids in the back. I want to say right now, if you've got a kid who's in the elementary school age, they're with a cat right now, and they are lose, they're loving life. They're having the best Sunday morning they've maybe ever had. With Is his name Mr. Bean? Yeah, see, over here, they're all like, why don't we, can you just dismiss us so we can go see the cat? Um, but we're all talking about this now because the future that we're hoping for involves all of us. So with that in mind, uh, middle school students, I'm going to dismiss you to go with Adam and uh, have a great morning with him and Sarah and anybody else who's leading back there. But you all have a good time. Uh, and we're going to jump into the life of Abraham. And so our text this morning comes from Genesis 12. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about Abraham before we get going. Man, they can do some stomping, huh? <laughs> so uh, Abraham, uh, not originally from Israel. He's from the land of Ur, which is like southern Iraq on our maps. Uh, so his father... And he had uh, two brothers. They all lived in Ur. And his father uh, wanted to move to Canaan. At the end of Genesis chapter 11, you see uh, a genealogy kind of tracing down from Noah and his son Shem all the way to Abraham. And um, Abraham's dad wanted to move the family. So uh, they couldn't cut across the desert. So they go kind of north up towards Turkey following the Euphrates. Uh, and they get to a place called Haran, and they decide, man, this is the place. And they set up camp there, uh, and their whole family, so like all of their extended family, all of their livestock, all the people that work for them, uh, everybody sets up camp in Haran. And then Abram's uh, dad dies, and Abraham becomes the, uh, the patriarch of the family, which if you're the patriarch, that means that you're kind of the umbrella that provides uh, protection, provision for everyone who is related to you. And um, that's just the way the ancient Near East worked. And so the story of Abram that we pick up on, he has kind of already moved from southern Iraq to, to what we would call Turkey, where Haran is. Um, and there God comes and speaks to him. And he says this, this is from Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, in those three verses, we have God calling him to follow, accompanied with seven promises. Seven promises that the Lord makes to Abram. He's Abram at this point. Abram basically means like dad, and Abraham means like dad of many. And so at, some, at a certain point in the story, his name will change because of this promise. But he says, look, I, I'm going to make you these promises because in these promises, there's a future, and I want you to follow me into it. There's a future ahead. And God says, I, I'm going to I'm going to make you into a great nation, which is a, an incredible promise to make a man who, at this point, he's 75, and he and his wife, Sarah, are, are barren. They have no kids. So for him to become a great nation is to promise the miraculous. It is to promise a future that could not be imagined, because at 75 years old, to start a family is quite the adventure, I would guess. 
Uh, that he's going to make him into a great nation, that he's going to bless him, that I'll make your name great, that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and those who curse you, I will curse and all of the earth will be blessed through you. This is an unbelievable encounter with God. One that, um, to be honest, if you had a friend at 75 come to you and said, hey, I... I feel like maybe God promised me, I don't know, land and a future for generations and that all of the world would be blessed through me. You'd be like, hmm, that's interesting. What did you eat last night? <laughs> and it's interesting because we don't know a lot about Abram. We just know that Abram, that God saw him and called him to follow him. And that Abram, the story is very simple, that God says this, and in Hebrews 11 it says, and Abram followed God, though he didn't know where he was going. That God made promises about a future, not promises as to how we would get there, but just promises that there was a future ahead that was unimaginable and that God himself would assure if Abraham would make the step to leave Haran, to leave where he was, and to go with God into Canaan, into a land of promise. It's an unbelievable story, and it's the foundational story. It is the first step in the nation of Israel. And what's amazing is, like, we, we know this, if we really think about this, that um, the story of Israel becomes the story of Jesus, that through Abraham, we get generations, just three down, where he's got... 12 kids who become the 12 tribes of Israel. And through this history, we come to Jesus. And Jesus is the evidence that the promise of God to Abraham becomes true because through Jesus, then, all of the nations of the world are blessed. That salvation through Jesus opens the door not just for the Jews, not just for the Israels, but for, for all of the Gentiles, for all of the people from every tribe and tongue and nation to have access to the salvation of God. Um, that we stand at a point where we can look at this and say, this first step is the step that changes everything. My pastor used to always say, hey, have you ever wondered how many people God might have come to and asked to follow him before he asked Abram? I don't know if there's an answer, but it's interesting because there was an entire future that hinged on someone's willingness to say yes to the step that God put in front of them, and that step changed everything. As we start into our series of multiplication, on, on multiply, looking at what it means for a step of faithfulness to lead to blessing to many, we want to wrestle with the life of Abraham because in the life of Abraham... We see how when you have the promise of God and a willingness to step out in faith, not on nothing, but on a promise, that there's a future there that's beyond what we can imagine. And I love that. I want to hold that out. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, Paul says, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. This is important because as we talk about Abraham, uh, we don't stand in the same position Abraham did. Abraham had God speak to him 
and ask him to go for it on promises. And we don't know if Abraham knew anything about this God who was speaking to him other than that he was making a promise. But we know something Abraham doesn't know because we have seen Jesus crucified, raised from the dead, the first fruit of the future that God is bringing. We're in a different place than Abraham because we have seen that God will faithfully answer his promises, keep his promises, that he is able to take one person and make them into a blessing to the nations. And that blessing in Jesus is the blessing we stand in, the blessing who are not only do we have promises from God because of Abraham, we have promises of God that have been confirmed and kept because of Jesus that we stand in forgiveness, that we stand in grace, that we stand in restoration, that we stand as people who have experienced the first fruit of everything that God is going to do. And so when we talk about a future, we're not just talking about a hope and a prayer. We are talking about standing on what God has done in Jesus and asking the question, what does it mean for us to be the people in this moment, standing where we stand, to say yes to the next steps that God has for us as individuals, as our families, and as a church. Now, I believe a very simple thing, but a very practical thing. The journey into God's future begins with one simple step of faithfulness. That when God has a future for you, he will make a next step for you clear. Everyone has a next simple step. Now, this is, um, this is an evidence thing that we stand on, not just because of the way we've experienced God, but because of the way that the people of God have experienced God throughout history. The psalmist says, uh, your word is a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The image there is not that God illuminates the entire future for us, but that he does give us enough light to make the next step ahead of us. And that throughout history, God calls people not necessarily with the entire picture of the future in view, but with a really clear next step in front of them, as he did with his disciples. Come follow me and I'll make you fishermen. And they left everything and they followed him. As people would take a step of faith to follow God, it wasn't that they had everything in front of them assured so they could draw out the map and say, well, we're going to do this, 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 and we'll get here. But instead, God would say, let me show you where I want to bring you, and let me tell you the next thing you need to do to get there. God always has next steps in front of his people. This was the story of Abram. This is the story of us. Uh, and I think if we are honest, there's a part of us that when we hear that, we're like, sweet. <laughs> I actually do want to follow Jesus. I believe that if you have come to know Christ, there's a part of you deep in the core of you that leans forward when God says, I've got something for you and I want you to follow me. There's a part of you that feels the adventure, that feels the rush, that feels that you were made and saved to be a follower of Jesus. Not just to like wear Jesus t-shirts, but to be people who fall in step with the one who's leading us. Just like Abram, God said to Abram, follow me from here into Canaan, into the future, and I'm going to give you these promises. God was going with him. And we're people who were made to want to be with God and to make, we were wired to desire to follow these steps. And so in some ways, I, I want to uh, calm your nerves and that I'm not going to call our church to eat its vegetables and go with Jesus. 
Instead, I want to call you to the feast that you were made for, you were wired for, that all of us, because we are made in the image of God, when God calls us forward into the future from where we are into his best that he has promised and secured for us in Christ, there's a part of us that says, let's go. And there's the other part of us, right? (laughs) There's the other part of us that's like, but what about this? There's always those things that are also part of the conversation that we need to deal with, the things that keep us from following Jesus well. I want to talk about four of those this morning, things that Abram had probably to wrestle with, but things I know that we have to wrestle with. What keeps us from following Jesus well? I think the first one might just be clarity. Like, what is God saying? Sometimes, if we're honest, if we believe God has a next step for us, but we've not been paying attention, or we maybe don't even know how to pay attention, and that's okay, because hearing from God is is a skill that you learn. Um, There's a part of us that, that has zero clarity on what God might be saying. Uh, And sometimes it's because we have a lot of interference, that we have lots of voices competing for our attention in the world, and that's true. It's always been true. It's particularly true in our world today. But part of it also is that sometimes um, we're just not paying attention. We're just not listening well. Uh, If we're not careful, we can replace listening to and following Jesus with uh, like religious or moral obligation. Uh, and I think this is it's great to look at Abram because Abram didn't have like the Ten Commandments to follow because they had literally had not been given yet. All Abram had was listening to and following God. It was a relationship before it was any type of like code or expectation. The, the primary thing that we see here is that God spoke to Abram and Abram's like, okay, I have a choice to make. I'm going to choose this. And One of the things that becomes hard for us is that sometimes, if we're not careful, that doing the right things replaces listening for the voice of God. In the church, this can be actually more common than we want to realize. I don't know if you've ever heard of the idea of like highway hypnosis. It's the idea of when you're driving down the road and then you like get where you're going, but you don't really remember the trip. Anybody ever been there? I've, I've done it. I've been like, wow. And there's times where it's like, and my wife laughs because I'm not a detail person. I'm a big picture person. So sometimes she'll ask me about a detail for something that I like literally drove by it. And she's like, did you see what they had on the sign? I'm like, no. She's like, did you not see the sign? And I'm kind of like, no. <laughs> I mean, I was awake. I know I was awake. I made it here. But this is highway hypnosis. It's this idea that sometimes we can not be asleep, but be so in the motions that sometimes we're not attentive to the place that we're in. Um, One of the things I worry about as the church is like sometimes we can be in church mode to the point where we're not actually responsive to the voice of God. Where we are doing good things and right things. And hear me here, I'm not against morality or holiness or any of the things that we see God calling us to do very naturally. I think that is one of the ways that God does speak to us and give us clarity. However, foundationally, rule keeping is not what this is about. God has this relational part of us where as he calls us to make steps, it is steps out of where we are and into his future. And sometimes we don't have clarity because we have been lulled asleep and we have to ask and welcome God to awaken us to his voice. 
to push away some of the things that are competing for our attention and to even say, even before I do what I, I sense is good and right, God, what are you asking of me now? And to really pay attention. Because once we have clarity, saying yes and no becomes a lot more simple. Second thing, uh, sin. Let's be honest. Um, sin. And the question I want to ask is kind of like what has to be left behind in the story of Abram. He was called to leave Haran and to go to Canaan, to, to leave the place he was where things were the way they were and to go into a place where they weren't. Um, and like, let's, let's be candid. Sin is not a word that our culture really likes. And I'm okay with that. Um, it's not a word that we should necessarily like, but it is a reality we have to deal with. Uh, and the beautiful thing about Jesus is that the provision of Jesus is that sin and the excuse that it is for us not being able to follow has been dealt with in Jesus. That because he has died and been raised, that we are cleansed of all of our sins, of all unrighteousness, and we are liberated from the power of sin so that when God calls us to follow him in some way and to leave behind sin, like we talk about when we baptize, to leave the old behind and to walk in a new way, that every excuse we have to not be able to do that has been dealt with in Jesus. So that in those moments, we actually can follow. This reminds me of um, a story um, that my friend John told me about his son, Grady. When his son Grady was three, he was doing something at school. I can't remember what it was. It was something that he didn't need to be doing. So he asked Grady to stop. He says, will you please stop doing this? And Grady says, I can't. And John says, why can't you? He says, I can't because I don't. <laughs> Which in Grady language was really simple. It's not that I can't stop. It's that I don't want to stop. I can't because I don't. And John and I have laughed about this a lot because that is, that is the human condition when it comes to following Jesus sometimes. It is not an issue of not being able to follow Jesus because everything we need for life and godliness we have in Jesus. It's not that we can't, it's that we don't. That we don't want to walk out of where we are into something else. Even if it's a better future, even if it's unimaginable, that there's a part of us that says, no. And I think if we're going to be serious about following Jesus, we have to be serious about the parts of us that are not hindered, not that we're hindered by sin in a way where we're not already free, but the places where we're actually choosing to stay where we are rather than to go forward for whatever reason. Whether it's because we like it, <laughs> whether it's because change is hard, whether it's because... I don't know, we foolishly believe more in the power of sin than the power of Jesus. Whatever it is, we have to deal with that reality to follow Jesus well. The third thing. Um, and this is related, and it's the issue of control. Let's be honest. Everyone say it. Who here has control issues? I do. <laughs> Not about everything, but about some things. Um, and if we, uh, if we shoot straight with our own desires, 
we have to come to the point where there's times where we're perfectly fine following Jesus. And there's other times where we're like, hey, Jesus, you're kind of treading into my territory. This is my turf. It's the place where uh, maybe you could use the term boundaries, where we have some boundaries in our life where we're like, hey, in this area of life, let's roll, Jesus. It's all you. You're the Lord. And I'm not. And in other areas, we're like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. Hold on. What? You want me to what? In in the story of Abram, um, on one level, you're like, he's already moved from Ur to Haran, like moving, like picking up your stuff and going. You've already done it. Wouldn't that be easy? But when you think that you have your family and all the people that work for you and your cattle and all the stuff, and it's like, hey, let's, let's get all of this and let's go to a place. Where? I don't know. God will show us when we get there. <laughs> if you heard that, or if your family heard that from you, you would probably get some weird looks. And what you're doing is you're kind of coming into the, that area of where there's boundaries, where it's like, well, following Jesus, it's cool if it means this, but it's not cool if it means this. If it means, all right, I, or I need to be nicer to my neighbor, well, that, that's one thing, but if it means um, being sacrificial in this way, well, well, hold on, God. You don't know how hard things are right now. You don't know the way that things are and it's, we do actually say this to God. But what that really is, if you pull that back, is it's an issue of control. And there's two questions we kind of have to ask underneath that. One is like, who's the Lord here? Like, who's the Lord in your life? And I want to be frank with you, none of us have that settled like we should. Every step of faith, you're going to be hitting boundaries. So don't think anybody in this room has this together. Every time God calls me to follow him there's times where I'm coming up against the boundary in my heart where I have to ask the question well who's who gets to be in charge here who gets to be the Lord is it Jesus or is it me we all have those boundaries and every step of faith is going to push you up against them so when we ask like who is the Lord here we're also having to ask the question like have I yielded myself to him I'm going to come back to this idea towards our response time but I think about this as like a preemptive yes. This is one of the hardest postures for us to take as Christians. But it's also, I think, what a posture of surrender looks like before God is, you know what? I know in my life that God's going to call me from where I am into a future that looks different. That means change is coming. Yay, everybody loves change, right? <laughs> change is coming that I am going to change And then my environment will change. And that in the midst of that, uh, I'm going to have a decision to make where I say, is he the Lord or am I? Uh, And it's a hard thing to do, but I think the call of God to our church uh, and to the church is to preemptively say yes to Jesus. To like before he says, this is what I'm doing, to kind of settle in your heart that you have offered yourself to him. There's a point later in Genesis where God calls on Abraham and he says the phrase, here I am. Like he's like, look, behold me. <laughs> um, that idea, that picture is that Abraham has this posture before when God calls, he's like already like, here, <laughs> let's go. What you got? That's a tough place to be. And if you're not there, I want to I say that both there's grace in Jesus, but there's also the call of God to not ignore that or pretend it's not there, but to instead ask the question, what's it mean for me 
to be more fully yielded to the Lord of my life. The last thing, there's risk. Are we safer here than there? And that's also a real, and again, like control and clarity and all these, they're kind of all wrapped up together, but the idea of risk is something you have to weigh out. Uh, and I guarantee you Abraham had to. And he had to say, okay, well, I'm in Haran, and I've got land set up. Uh, we're in the valley where the Euphrates is, so like it's a fertile place. It's got everything taken care of. Like, we could stay here and be just fine. Isn't it more risky for us to pack up and hit the road and follow into the unknown? Again, we don't know where we're going. We just know God said he's going to take us there. Isn't that risky? And I would say, yes, it is. Um, to say you want a life of faith just without risk is foolishness. There's no obedience without risk. But disobedience has risk as well. And this is where I believe I wrestle the most about where I sense our church headed. Because there's a part of us, a part of me, that if I am satisfied with the now, I'm never going to contend for a future. If I'm satisfied with the way things are, then it will always feel safer to stay here than to keep going. And this is where Abraham had to keep in front of him the future that God had promised. Because where he was in Haran, there wasn't a blessing of generations. There wasn't a blessing of land that God himself was contending for for them. There wasn't blessing that extended beyond him into the nations. That he could have a good life in Haran and not have all of those things. Not have that future. That was a reality. So there the risk of going only got put in its place when the risk of staying was elevated, where it was like, you know what's at risk here is there's a future at risk if you don't go. There's a future at risk if you're not willing to make the step in front of you. And that the promises of God had to be the thing that elevated the vision of what could be to the point where he was not content staying. It doesn't mean not being thankful for what you have, but saying, man, God's future for me is actually greater. It would be more risky for me to not lean in and go for that than it would for me to stay here. And I believe if we look at Jesus as the snapshot of the future that's coming, where people are new creations because God is restoring and making all things new, that he allows us to be a part of the kingdom where our lives are light that we are transformed and our sources of transformation to pull from the image of our Multiply video that, that we are in a point where God puts us as a tree that bears fruit, that we are healthy and fruitful disciple makers everywhere, every day, and how that would transform our neighborhoods. There's a part of us that has to say, do I want things to stay the way they are? Because things can stay the way they are and me never have to take a step of faith. Like when you look at your world, is staying, things staying the way they are okay with you? If, is you staying the way you are okay with you? And I'm not here saying, oh man, y'all are wrecks, y'all really need some help. I'm saying, 
all of us, if we're honest before God, that the work that Jesus did for us was to take us as we are, but not leave us as we are, and to take us into the future that our lives would be healthy, fruitful places where the the fruit of God, the kingdom of God, are, are within reach of our world. And I want more and more of that for my neighbors and the people I work with, for our our city and beyond. I want that. I long for that. But that won't happen if I'm not willing to take the risk to follow Jesus in my next step. And it's easy for us sometimes to believe that God has a great future coming, but that doesn't require much of me right now. And what that in essence says is, I want God's future. I want to benefit from God's future, but not be a part of seeing it come. And that's not the way the church is set up in the world. That if we want to fight for God's future to be present here, that we have to be a church that says, I am not going to be satisfied staying the way I am. And I'm going to welcome the kind of change that God wants to bring by listening and following him in my next steps. Guess what? That will impact us. It'll change our hearts. It'll change our, our motives. It'll change our attitudes. It'll change the way we think and feel. It'll change our relationships. It'll change our houses. It'll change our neighborhoods. It'll change what we do with our time. And yes, it'll change what we do with our finances. But the risk of the faith step in front of us is not anything compared to the risk of not doing anything. We have to allow and welcome God to awaken us to say, God, help me to dream of the future you want to bring. And you know, the next step of faith in front of you is never just about you. You know, I think it's sometimes easiest for, for people who, um, who either have or work with kids to think about generational impact. But Abraham had to think about the generations far beyond him in order for this yes to feel like it was worth it. And whether it is households beyond yours, whether it is literally generations, kids and grandkids, or uh, other people around you to think, hey, there is a kind of faithfulness right now that will impact people I may never see or know or meet. I mean, we say this a lot, and I believe this deeply. I think the best leaders of our church are, are yet to be saved. Some of them are yet to be born. That we're contending for a future for our community and its generations that our yeses right now greatly impact. And so you can't think about your next step just for you because there's a risk of you making that step and a risk of you not making it and it impacts others in a way that we have to soberly ask God to help us wake up to. I'm going to ask Casey just to come up and play because uh, we're going to enter a time of communion in just a few moments. The two questions I've been wrestling with as we start this series, um, one, is just will we prioritize following Jesus in our next steps? Um, the story of Abraham is a story of a guy who didn't have a roadmap, but he did have God. And that was enough. And like I mentioned earlier, we have more than... Abram did. We have Jesus. He's not just held out some promises for us and said, just trust me, guys, it's going to happen. He is resurrected from the dead. 
He is the first fruit of everything that is to come. He is the display that God is able to transform and change our world and to make all things new. And that every step of faith we make following him, it's headed that direction. But we have to ask the question, will we prioritize following Jesus? And that second question on the screens, will we follow an act of surrender, offering a preemptive yes to the Lord? Um, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I, I'm not worried about our multiplied goals financially. I feel like uh, a church that will faithfully follow Jesus will see his provision come. But my call as a pastor is to call the church to make Jesus Lord and to say yes when he calls us to follow him. And that could mean following him out of sin. You need to, I'm going to say that Jesus would call you to follow him out of sin and into the life that he's made you for. It could mean following him into this vision of a future. Candidly, I know a lot of people who love Jesus but don't believe that they could be a disciple maker in the world. That they get to benefit from Jesus but they can't actually participate in his mission and that's a lie. But the only thing that keeps you from that is not because it can't happen. There's that part of us that says, I can't because I don't. Because there's a risk in following Jesus that seems too much and I'm fine with the benefits but I don't know if that next step is going to be worth it and I want you to assess the risk not of taking your next steps but of not taking your next steps and the impact that has on us personally but also on the generations beyond us because Jesus loves the world enough to put you in it so that his promises bear fruit through you for their sake and that is good news but it's only good news people get to taste of as we follow him step by step. There's plenty of clarity to talk about all of the multiply things to come. And we're excited to talk about this over the next four weeks to keep diving into Abraham and to look at how his life calls us to trust and surrender. But the first thing you have to recognize is that Jesus wants you to follow him. Like you're not done. There's a step of faith for each of us. If you don't know what it is, then that's where you start is, God, give me clarity. Like, what are you asking of me right now? And if it's to leave sin behind, I would say, then what are you waiting for? Because everything you need, you have it. So why not? Why not leave what's killing you behind and walk into a new future of life and hope? If it's control, I would say, do you trust him? And what more do you need to know than what he has shown us in Jesus for you to say, if there's anybody worthy of handing the reins over to, it is Christ. And if it's risk, I just pray that God would give you a dream of what life could be if it looked more like heaven and less like earth. That you would become dissatisfied with the way things are. Not that things are necessarily bad, although... I think soberly, if we look at our world, we can say they are. But to say, what could it be like if God were to fill me with life and my world with life? What could be? God, give me a next step to see that future happen. Let's take a moment and let's pray, and then we'll come to the table together. Lord, um, if there are next steps you want to make clear to our people, Lord, I pray that you do that.
What are you asking of us? What are you calling us to? What does it mean for us to be yours, to surrender ourselves and to prioritize following over anything else? To not just checklist and say, you know, I'm going to coast and God, we're good. I'm, I'm not evil, so I guess I'm fine. But instead to say, God, I want to follow you. Show me the way.